What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Edge and Flow podcast. This is TJ Schwartz. I'm here with Lucas Burnley, and we've got a random episode today. We have both had full plates, and I've got some questions to ask you and maybe a few things to share on my end. Uh, but you told me some news yesterday. Oh, man. This is uh, this stuff is in- so interesting, like how these situations work. I always say, like, if you don't want to buy a house, don't look at listings. Mm -hmm. And this is like falling completely into that kind of frame of mind, which is um, it looks like we have a employee. Nice. Um, Well, one, it's like a very, very good fit, like a pretty broad skill set. It's yet to actually start, but we're super, super excited. and we are actually sharing the employee with a friend's business. I will, I'll give like more info on this, like as it becomes like more solid. But what I love about that is when you're small business, you don't always have all of the consistency, all of the hours to fully satisfy one person's like, you know, requirements. It can be, like it can be spotty sometimes. It can be spotty, right? <clears throat> um, and there can also be times where like you need to pull a little more time or a little less time or you're out of town or whatever. Um, and so I had a conversation with a friend and he basically had an employee with the interest. Um, he's, he's a knife guy, um, knew about us like before I started kind of working with this other company. So really just like a good like cultural fit, um, has a really cool skill set. Um, has a graphic design background. Ooh. So like, yeah, That's some handy. of this, some of these shoring up, shoring up, uh, weaknesses in my game, which is exciting and doesn't need crazy hours. Um, and the way I'm looking at it is almost like it's getting my head space back into the thought of having a small team, um, whether that's one employee or a few. Nice. And so, yeah, I'm super excited, but like we started talking about you having an employee, <laughs> This was not, this was not like my search for an employee. Did I infect you? Yeah. (laughs) It just is what happens because you start to think about it and then you start to have it, it like informs your conversations. That conversation gets brought up somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, like the universe is like piecing something together. Right. I'll tell you right now, I've only just had an employee for the first time the last two weeks and he's out in my shop right now making knife sheaths. So I am on a podcast right now and knife sheaths are getting built and I've never felt that. This is the first podcast where something is actually happening (laughs) in my shop other than maybe the tumbler. So it's a good feeling. Dude, that's huge. Congratulations. I mean, that really is, that's a full paradigm shift actually. It is. Right? Yeah, it's a game changer. Dude, you just get, you just created time. So with, with your employee, my, uh, the guy I've got working in my shop's name is Steven, and it's a similar yep. situation as what you've got going on with, yep. he's self-employed. He's got his business and stuff. He does Serico and, and whatnot. He's also a real estate agent. So similar kind of deal to what you have. What's, uh, what do you want to slot this new employee in doing? Like what, what's the hot topic? So that that's a, it's a really good question. And that's kind of where one, where we're trying to figure that out and where I'm excited that we're actually starting off with like one day a week. Mm -hmm. um, with probably potential for like two days a week. Mm -hmm. So ultimately where, where I need help is around, um, some of like the standard, like Burnley product stuff, like the Cypop polys. Um, if I'm doing more fixed blades, Kydex, um, things like running the lasers, but also setting up the files to run the lasers, all of these things that are like either inside of my, like, expertise, but not where I need to be, not like the most valuable place for me to be spending my time or slightly outside of my expertise. And so then it's like a double whammy because I have to do the task and I'm also not best suited for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the other one is we are slowly bringing in leather production. Um, just like small stuff, like coasters, valets, like some of the products that, um, Scout Weather used to make us. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically started to like help us get set up to like bring some of those products cool. in house. And it, that is actually like a prime spot to have an employee because the work is teachable. Um, it is teachable to a point where you can achieve autonomy pretty quickly to where I can say like, hey, uh, I want 25 cents of, you know, Burnley Knife Co. 
vintage logo coasters mm-hmm. and set that person free. Um, it's direct revenue producing product. So like, I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, at first I'm like, Oh man, like one day a week, like, what am I going to, how am I going to do this? And then what I realize is like, as soon as he is set on one task that frees me up for something else, it like, it just starts to create yeah. space. Yeah, it does. And I, I've got Steven making Kydex and I had him stoning some blades like hand stoning. And I, I quickly migrated him to Kydex because mm-hmm. it seems like Kydex eats time and yep. It's one of those things that like Kydex itself, and he was doing a good job stoning, but I, I realized like my original idea when I thought about hiring an employee like months ago was Kydex. Mm-hmm. And it just was, I was so behind on stoning that I was like, I'll just do that first. And then I was like, well, he's now doing this. And I guess I could do the Kydex is what I was thinking. I was like, well, it makes more sense for me to stone him to do the Kydex because it's more teachable and it's like easier to, to jump into and the other mm-hmm. thing I like about kind of like what you just said with with the Kydex is it's like it's his first week in the shop. He's good with his hands. He does a lot of cool stuff like he's done a ton of Cerakote on firearms. And so it's like, yeah, it's a thousand dollar gun. Like you have to be careful. You know what I mean? So right. he knows. He understands surface yeah. finish, final finish. But he also understands process as it relates to maintaining yep. finish. Yeah. Super important. And the, and the nice thing about jumping him into Kydex is like. I told him, I said, your, your time is really the cost in that sheath. I just told him, I was like, if you mess up like three sheaths in a row, yep. it's fine. Like it, it, right. it, the Kydex is, everybody knows it's just a few bucks a piece, you know? Right. So you better to learn it yeah, right. Just make all the mistakes you need. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like when you think about jobs that if you come into a shop without like a full skill set around what that shop is doing, certain types of jobs start to really teach you or inform like what the future expectations will be. So you go to a weld shop as a grinder, you're grinding other people's welds. Yeah. But that means you're looking at other people's welds and you're grinding them away. So you're actually seeing like what a good weld is, what a flawed weld is. And you're starting to like, just even if you've never welded, you're just starting unless you're like paying no attention whatsoever. And then like you stay a grinder, Mm -hmm. but like, just being able to like look at it and understand like some of the minutia. Yeah. Kydex is a perfect example. Like, were you a little hot? Did you let it cool off too much before you formed? Yep. Like, why is this, why is this mold line different? Like just, just kind of getting into that process yeah. is so good. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's been going, going really good and I'm, I'm stoked on it. <clears throat> so nice. It did, it did create one, one time vacuum. We had our, uh, downshift day scheduled. Oh yeah, that's right. And you bailed. I, I'm kind of a loser and (laughs) I did push my downshift day out one week and that's a, that's a good topic we can pivot to. So I, I have had my employee coming in, right. And I was mentioning that I was trying to get him on Kydex and I had him doing some overland sheets because that's been all set up. The hot, hot item is I just accepted the final payment for all my pre-orders for the Confidant. And it's like the Kydex is the next thing. And I had to build the fixture. And so if I didn't build the fixture that day that the downshift day was going to be, then I'd, I'd agreed to have Steven there all week. And I didn't need more Overland sheaths. I needed Confidant sheaths. Right. And so I was like, I had, to, I had to push it a week so that I could get him going on Confidant sheaths. And then I could have had it the next day, but he's going to San Antonio for a Cerakote training next week, all week. Oh, nice. So it, it's like a hard stop for him on Friday. So I was like, I'll just push my downshift to when he's in San Antonio and just it'll work perfect. So it's perfect. And yeah. so when he comes back, he's going to be doing a bunch of Cerakote and sandblasting and more Kydex for me. And I don't have any more things to make so that he can work. Like the things are now made, like the fixtures and and whatnot everything's programmed so he right. he's like got the keys to the shop now he's ready to roll yeah so that's where that's where this time around i'm really trying to figure out a progression um as far as creating some processes that are not fully dependent on me mm-hmm. uh, like getting the getting like the mini dad actually fixtured up and like running off the machine where like okay cool here's the part like we can make sheaths for it because mm-hmm. um, i've never had that with employees it's always been 
handwork based or I was the machinist and we're finishing things by hand off the machine, which is fine. But this time around, I'm going to try to create like some more odd, like automation around yeah, it. Yeah. Um, which is exciting. That is exciting. And so, yeah, um, long story short, I don't have any reports for my downshift and that will be right. next week, but you, it's a good one. Did take. Oh one. yeah, I did. I did mine. Um, mm-hmm. It was interesting, man. This was a, this, it was a different flow this time. All right. Um, started off very, uh, similar. I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I like in the morning I was feeling anxious again, just like the first one. I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. I hadn't been able to like think about it. And I was feeling guilty about that. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to go. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have breakfast. That breakfast actually turned into five hours of a deep dive into the, the coaching module that I'm in mm. with my business coach yeah. that I had been like slowly chipping away at mm-hmm. and like trying to make time in the evenings or like in the morning a little bit. And what I realized, I was like, man, if I can just fully connect with this and get it done, that like right there is worthwhile. So it was interesting because at the end of it, I was actually tired. Mm-hmm. Like I finished it and I felt tired. And so I don't know if it really fit into like the construct of the downshift day, but it opened up a completely separate train of thought, which is that, I want you and I to sit down and essentially create a pie chart. Okay. Of kind of, so I guess let me like back up. So imagine this, imagine you go, you're going into your downshift day and you go to your pie chart and your pie chart has kind of slices of different types of input, output, experience, that you're able to kind of tailor to like what you're so like, maybe you're like, man, I've been so bunched up. I need something really physical. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, like I'm feeling like I need this. So it starts to inform like how some of that time is spent I or see. like, I want, I want like, I'm feeling like super overworked. I want like, like to relax. And so you're like, you start to shift it that way. Mm-hmm. There's like, it was, this is what I needed this day, but I didn't realize it going into it. If I'd sat and thought for five minutes, I probably would have realized like, man, this is like, just like, it's on my mind. It's, it's weighing me down and, and sitting in like a cafe and just being able to connect with this is the best way that I can spend my time. Yeah. That's, that's great to hear. I I really look forward to having more conversations about the coaching stuff. Yeah. It's super interesting. The pie chart you're talking about, that was part of the curriculum. Is that what you're describing? It is. Nice. And as I was doing it, I was essentially like, it was just like perfect transfer where like, okay, like we're looking at this on like a large scale, like kind of where we're at right now is like developing or laying like baseline for some of kind of like values, priorities, stuff like that, like elements of your life. Mm -hmm. And what was cool in this, in this context, like I had to physically draw this chart. You, you are asked to mark like where your current level is and then separate that and like add to where you would like to get to. Wow. I'll share the, I'll share it with you. Cause it was, yeah, it was actually very cool. That's really cool. Um, and yeah, you have elements you're like, okay, family, career, creativity, uh, physical health, mental health, uh, you know, uh, wealth. And or, it's not like this or, thing where you end up, I just need 50% more of all those things. No, it was <laughs> super interesting yeah. to me because one, uh, I found that I created some subsets. So like the, what was a really interesting one for me, which was love. There's like this category for love. And I was like, huh, I split it into love that I feel and love that I give. Uh, yeah. I feel 100% loved. It was the only field that I had a hundred, like where I, I mm. ca- categorize a hundred percent, but love that I give, I was like, huh? 
I feel it's like lower than it should be. Interesting. Yeah. It's just a cool thought yeah, exercise. And I was like, man, we're literally looking at these days where we have kind of open-ended potential just by putting a few pieces mm. in place. I think I could get a lot more benefit out of it. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. I, I really like that. I, I'd love to see, I don't know if it's like shareable via like screenshots yeah, totally or shareable. something, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd have, I'd have fun playing with that. I, I love introspective. Uh, like when I was young, I was really into taking those, I mean, not the real spammy quizzes you see on like Facebook. Totally. Yeah. But like the more semi-legit ones, like personality tests and stuff. Cause there's just so much you can learn about your own mind. You know, it's, yeah. Myers Briggs, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Pretty good. And then, so, so basically after that, like I ran it out and I was like, all right, I tailed off into some of the things that I didn't make time for the first time. So I went to the library and I hung out and sketched at the library for probably an hour and a half. What was interesting there was that there was like three people spaced around the library, like crafting, building something. Like one guy was like doing like these weird, like Mardi Gras hats. Another woman like had like big, like knitting out. Um, I was just like sat by like a big, big picture window. It was great because it was super calm. Um, I could kind of go back and forth between like sketching and then like going and randomly like looking through a section of books. Really, really enjoyed it. That's cool. Um, and public. Here, weird thing about this day was other than ordering food or drinks, I never talked to anybody. Hmm. The first day we did this, I talked to like a bunch of people. Hmm. I felt myself like engaging today or yesterday yeah. was like completely the opposite. That social pie chart piece was smaller at this point. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. So if you know, Hey, I'm feeling like I need some social interaction. One, it might inform like where you decide to physically go, but then also like how you decide mm-hmm. to interact with any space that you enter. Dude, I'm loving this. It's so fun. That's great. I'm going to, I'm glad, I'm glad I skipped mine because you told me this and now I can think about it for the next one. Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do like a draft of this and just like hand it off to you. Yeah. And you can play with it going into your day or something. Yeah. I'll check that out. Yeah. Trying to think if there's anything else, man. Yeah. Basically from there, I did the same thing as far as like I went downtown and Mm -hmm. I just, I parked my truck and I walked and I've, I'm noticing, I'm noticing like a theme so far, which is one, I, I basically live in AirPods. Okay. Between audiobooks and music and news, I always have some kind of content rolling. Same. Both of these days, I've never put my headphones in. That's a good idea. And I've walked. And so I think there's, I think there is for me something meditative about just like walking from place to place, goal to goal, somewhat aimlessly or, or not. Um, and also just not having any noise. Mm-hmm. So that's been kind of cool. Yeah, no, that's, I, yeah, I have, I need hearing protection in the shop at all times with my yeah. loud stuff. So it's like, I just wear over ear Bluetooths and it's never not playing some sort of podcast or something. So I have, I, I didn't listen last time when I did my downshift day but this time i'm gonna intentionally make sure that i'm avoiding that kind of like passive consumption of information you know mm-hmm. i think that's it's probably i mean it's awesome passive passive consumption yeah that's actually that's a great term because that's what you're just it's kind of like default background a little bit noise. superficial yeah yeah well okay how about this so this you will have done your downshift day by the time the next episode airs. This will be the last before mm-hmm. your day. Mm-hmm. Do you have like right now, do you have like a sense of kind of a direction or like anything you want to either like achieve? I, th- I think experience? I, re- I think I already mentioned it. There's this museum I've been wanting to go to for probably five years mm-hmm. and I never ended up going and we had kids and museums and kids are not really, you know, a one-year-old in a museum, maybe it's not yeah. a jam, 
uh, so I just haven't been able to go, but it's an air museum of mil- of like old military planes. I think I'd already mentioned this, but I want to go there and just soak it in. And then in that area, it's, it's in a couple, like a, one or two towns over. It's a bigger town. It's uh Napa. Can't remember mm-hmm. it's in, it might be Caldwell. I don't know. They're like right next to each other. They're but, all right. Yeah. It's like one big yeah, town basically. Yeah. Napa, Meridian, Caldwell, yeah. like all right in that room. Yeah. So I'll probably meander from there. I don't want to, I probably don't want to get a list going other than I yep. want to see that museum and there's a cool breakfast place there. So that's, start, that's like start with perfect. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I guess that ultimately, even with like this, this chart idea, it's not a list. It's not, in, I don't think I see it for myself mm-hmm. as a list. It's more like acknowledging either an intention or like diagnosing like mindset going into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it's like a, really it's like a pre-flight inspection. You're just like, how are the, how are the old of. flaps moving? You know, how, how's the landing gear? Like my, what, what, what hurts? What's like totally. bothering me? <clears throat> what's lacking? Like, yep. It's easy to, to brush that off. I mean, you get busy and you just kind of go, you just go, you know? Well, this is, I guess, relating to like our first part of the conversation or, you know, like the employee thing where you have these experiences that start to like inform paths. If I wasn't doing this coaching, I wouldn't have had, I don't think I would have had this specific like, uh, like awareness, right? Like I don't think in pie charts or, or graphs. Um, but the accountability, I think of the program and kind of just like the, like what I'm seeing as the process process is the product. Mm-hmm. Right. So it translates to like other areas. And since this actually fits really well into, I don't know, not like, not like personal growth or anything like that or business development, but there's something that we're seeking out of this. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think like, it's just an, it's like a natural shift. So like the more things you expose you to yourself to, and kind of seek as, I guess maybe just seek. It's not necessarily about improvement or otherwise. I just think that you start to have those ripple effects and it starts to like carry over into other mm-hmm. aspects. I'm like, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. Value added. It is. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree. I, I look forward to it. I hope, I hope people out there are possibly internalizing this downshift thing. And I, I want to hear, I people I've heard some people talking about it, but I want to hear if anybody out there has experimented with this concept in some manner, definitely yeah. let us know. I like really want to hear. So you haven't like gotten any emails or anything from people who've like, like, Hey, I did it with you guys. Uh, not yet. Have you not yet? I, yeah. I've, I've had people say, Oh, that's a good idea. I really like that concept, but I haven't heard the the confirmation that like, yeah, this Saturday I, I did the, I did a downshift, you know, I want to hear that. Mm-hmm. So somebody out there, I know you're thinking about it, do it, but, just do it. <laughs> but on a on a complete uh, tangent note, there's another thing I wanted to bring up today that's Wait on me. kind of calls back to last week's episode about CAD. Um, Fusion was down all day today, completely. Oh. So it was like anybody using Fusion was out today. Even working offline? Uh, I think you... I don't want to speak like out of turn, but sure, sure, it, sure. it was like I tried to use it. So here's the thing. You sent me that Nova One DXF, and I yep. wanted to print it this morning so that I could have it for this episode. And I Fusion, <clears throat> there was no chance. I yeah, it wasn't wow. it wasn't working. So like I would bring it and it would kick it into offline mode, but it was like a, a lot of the files are stored in the cloud, and then the one you sent me is in the cloud because I haven't gained access to it yet. And even right. the website of Fusion, where you would like log in and look at stuff, almost like a Dropbox type look that was down. And so I tried it for hours. I mean, I I would like go work in the shop and come back in like an hour later. And I basically gave up after a few hours. And so that is a, it's the first time I've seen that happen to such like a stunning degree, but it's the biggest critique of like the cloud-based system that Fusion has. Sure. Um, So it might, for me, it's okay. Cause I don't really, if, if I lose Fusion for a day, there's really no scenario where it really affects me that much. Right. But there are shops that are probably hurting today because if you were a Definitely. job shop with Ongoing like 15 project. employees and yeah. your all your computers went down 
and you had all these hot jobs that people were programming for. I mean, today is, is is a is a bad day for a lot of shops in the country. So, do you think there's a best practice that exists? So, like, say you and I were sharing, we, like, we're sharing things back and forth in Fusion 360. Is there a point where you're like, yeah, that's super convenient. However, it's always good to like back that up by just sending the file in, you know, Dropbox or whatever else. And obviously it's not that everything couldn't go down all at once, but it's that if you had actually had that file, you would have been able to take it into SolidWorks. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. But so it, I, it it lived in Fusion 360. Well, and that's why I almost reached out to you like, hey, will you email that to me? And then I realized you won't be able to get to it because Fusion's down. So it's blocked on on the sender and the receiver. I feel like I may have actually saved it. I'm still not working like fully Fusion-based. Hmm. So I'm used to saving yeah. things to my hard drive. Yeah. And then I do like, well, like sync it with like my Google, Google drive. And then I like get my USB and like make a copy because well, I'm scared it's it, going to crash. It makes me, it makes me want to do that. Cause you can, you can export everything you have in fusion to a hard copy to like right. your hard drive. Yeah. I might go through and some of my critical stuff do that. Like this is kind of a shot across the bow of like, yo, be careful. I mean, it's still, it's in the cloud, you know? Anything cloud-based. Yeah. But this, okay, so this is like a, this can exist on like a much larger level, right? Because like any system that is made to be convenient is usually giving up some level of control. Yeah. Yeah. So. Is what it is. You know? But I, I'm not, I'm not like, it's fine. It's whatever. I'm not, I'm not overly worried about it, but yeah. it just, because we were talking about CAD last week and like SolidWorks yeah. versus Fusion, like it's, it's something, it's a, it is definitely something to note if you have a shop that would be in trouble if you lost it for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. If you didn't, if you couldn't program for a machine for a couple of days, can you live with that? You know, what like, is that? What does that cost? Yeah. You? Yeah. 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 So. It's interesting. Like, yeah, I would go and I would be like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to continue this in Rhino or yeah. I would start something new. Yeah. But our shops are not generally output dependent on a day or two yeah. of some level and, of cap. And we're not job shops. So it, like a exactly. job shop in a CNC, all they do is program. They're programming 24 right. seven. And we, I don't do programming that often because I run the same product. So right. I like if, if my computer completely went up in flames, like my machines have the programs to run the knives already. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I wouldn't lose that. It's just, if my, if I wanted to run a different tool or change the tool path, that's when it would be a problem. That's um, a problem. But anyway, that's a, that's a little side note I wanted to go on because it was, I saw like, I'm in a fusion Facebook group and there was just an outpouring of like frustration because it's like a big Facebook group. And there's just all these comment chains of people like freaking out. I mean, to varying degrees, but how is that? You know, it's crazy. Like for all the groups that I've kind of been in and it like is so critical for our business, I'm really not active in a lot of groups that I feel like probably would really benefit me. Yeah. I'm so like the Haas group and the, you know, the I'm honestly Fusion not active group. in any of them. No. I just like, I, I scroll past things and I, I, yeah. I just pick up like, like you said, passive consumption is like yeah. just scrolling past people talking about fusion and Haas machines. And even like sh- machines that I think are cool that like are dream machines that I wouldn't buy for years and years. Like I'm in the Okuma group just because I like to see, okay, what are people complaining about? You know, it's just, just, I love that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like, you're accessing like a universal knowledge. So you don't need to do a deep dive into the information because you're getting these blips Mm -hmm. of kind of story. I I loved working in bars for this reason, because you get like, I I don't know why, but like I'm, I was always able to like pick up conversations. So like I'm bartending, I'm like, you know, back there doing nothing, but I'm hearing like snippets. And so you're like hearing about a concert coming up and you're like hearing about, whatever else, a checkpoint. And and you're just like in your city, you're hearing conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that expands pretty well, like yeah. with, with things that you have a general interest in, you know, yeah. just having a pat. I, I'm, I love having a, at least some knowledge about anything there is, <laughs> which is a problem. <laughs> I know. It, it's like almost yeah. any, if, if a human being can find it interesting, I probably would be enjoy like a passive knowledge of that thing. 
Yeah. And so it, I have to like shut that off intentionally sometimes. But yeah. yeah. I always thought that was like an interesting goal as a human is to be able to have a, a conversation around a topic that you're not actually informed on and have an intelligent conversation. Yeah. And there's a way, there's always a way to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it always is, is too absolute, but I feel like in most circumstances, yeah. If you're a, you, you know, a conversationalist and have like kind of a broad background, yeah. like you can, you can start to you have a frame, ask of, a frame of reference. Yeah. yeah. Frame of reference to ask questions yeah. to like start to learn or yeah. engage. Yeah. No, that's for sure. Community communities, the, the benefit of the internet that is used for, good and bad, but I, I tried it. The, the internet's interesting. Like Zach in the wild did that video, uh, in my shop. And mm-hmm. he asked me my, that was a great video by the way. Well, I appreciate it. And that, that credit goes to him because they're him and Jamie, they're experts, man. They're so awesome. Man. So good. So good. But they, they asked me like at the end, they were like, what are the three tools that you will use the most? And the third tool I said was my cell phone, which is a weird totally. thing to throw in there. But the internet is like, it's the, it's like a blessing and a curse, but if you use it as a blessing and you're like disciplined with it, holy cow, dude, it's the internet's amazing. I mean, what the things that you can accomplish, like the ability for me to learn passively about all these things is something that is, is amazing. And so I, I even get in the trap though, like a lot of people do where it's, I'm consuming things that are, it's worthless information. Totally. So you have to like really be f- intentional when you're yep. using the internet, but I, I, I generally like the internet and I try to curate it to be productive. Well, and the phone, I mean, the phone thing, it's like even calling it a phone at this point is ridiculous. So this is a ridiculous like aside, but like I'm wearing a wrist brace right now. Mm-hmm. So we had a super busy like week and a half as far as like just I was on my phone a lot. <laughs> it was back and forth conversations. It was just kind of nonstop. And I actually like, got, I think like mild tendonitis. <laughs> no kidding. So yeah, my, my thumb Dang. is like toasted. Ouch. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Cause it's always there. It's so easy just to like pick up and start typing yeah. and I'm doing work that there is no way that I should not be doing mm-hmm. at my desktop. Yeah. But it's there. Yeah. And it's always accessible. It's, the internet's tough. It's, it's, I know. it's, <laughs> it's yeah. just, well, it's like you just have this personal communication device yeah. that is also, you know, the best library Acce- in the world. Access to the universe. Yeah. It's like the Alexandria library in your pocket. Chat GPT. Yeah. Do you hear it? Chat GPT 4 just passed the bar. Yeah. You sent me that podcast. It passed and it is the bar. Sketchy. Sketchy. That is just wild. Just wait till it passes the ABS Master Smith level. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, then man. we're really scared. It, yeah. Oh, it's coming for Nick Ross. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You tie that in, you tie that in with like Boston Dynamics. Yeah, uh, geez. And you get like. Don't even go there, man. Super Smith. Don't. Yeah. You can do backflips. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so another tangent, and this is a okay. very tangential episode. We Maybe, just call these like tangent yeah, episodes. The, yeah, the whole, the whole, <laughs> everything. But I, I just felt like I had a lot to talk to you about. But anyway, the next thing is. I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the pre-orders that I took because okay. I just kind of closed that loop and we've talked briefly in, in the past about, you know, how to sell a knife and ways to sell a knife pre-orders versus drops and stuff. Yep. The pre-orders went well. Like I think it was solid. I didn't like it. Honestly, really? I don't think it's, I don't think it's good for me. Um, I, I wouldn't do it again. Okay. So, so let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, same reason a lot of people would talk about with the pre-orders where it's like, if you, if you, I mean, with a pre-order where you're only taking partial payment like mine, you're not too on the hook, but like, mm-hmm. I probably am about a month over overdue on like what I kind of yeah. softly estimated the timeline to be because of the surface grinding issue we talked about way back when. So I was able to catch up from that. I lost almost two months to that. And then I only ended up a month behind because I was able to get going after that. But it feels weird to be behind even a soft deadline. And I don't like that feeling. And then also I heard a phrase. It was actually the podcast you sent me, um, that hard fork podcast. He said, oh, yeah. 
he was talking about, they were talking about AI and they were talking about how these companies like Google are talking about their programs that they're creating that are AI, but they haven't released anything yet. And he said a phrase, he said, ship it or zip it. And I internalized that. And I was like, that is the best phrase I've ever heard. And it's like, I know I've had conversations we both have with CRKT about this and they're all about this. And that is, you tell people about this thing when you are ready to sell it and ship it. Yeah. And you, you don't say a word until you're ready to ship, ship it or zip it. And I, that is my new motto going forward because I think launching it in December and then kind of having this like slow protracted like pre-order situation. Mm -hmm. I I just don't think it's like, it's not fun. It's not like, I don't think the customers are, I mean, they're, I think they're going to be happy to get their knives and all this good stuff. And it's not Mm -hmm. terrible, but it kind of takes the wind out of it when you're like, yay, new knife. See you in a few months. It's like, "Ah, I don't know. This is, this is actually great because I'm on the other side of the spectrum right now but it's different. And this is, this is kind of a great point to bring up, which is most of these tools, they have a time and a place where they are incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, it's like a pretty big situation of like diminishing returns. Right. So our internal conversation recently has been like, Hey, we're doing these drops we're, we're like dropping a lot of times, like the same day a newsletter is going out. So like a newsletter goes out and 30 minutes later, a drop happens. Mm -hmm. And we've started to play with like, Hey, like what happens if we actually start to talk these things up and like give a little more, um, of an on-ramp to them. And then, uh, also around certain types of product drops. So like we're doing the ring, the rose ring with good art Hollywood. And we're doing that as a pre-order, but inside of that structure, it works very well because rings are sized. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and you shipped right? some rings though. So we did, that was different. So we did, we did two things, right? We, we did a soft launch of the ring where we made 25 rings in five sizes. Mm. It let us do a couple or like get ahead in a couple ways. One, it let, let us test production. Okay. Kind of just like get everything like rolling. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it let us see out of like some major ring sizes, like where the overall demand was. So like our customer base skews towards larger rings, right? Mm-hmm. Primarily male based. However, there was a desire for smaller, even smaller than what we had rings. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> and larger. So I think, I think like, I think we're going up to a size 18 ring, which is insanity. <laughs> you could basically wear it as a bracelet. Nice. Like it's big. Okay. Half Thor Bjornsson's ordering one of your rings. Big. Yeah. Basically Josh was like, I've made one. It was for a sumo wrestler. No kidding. So, but what I love about this is like, we've got, we've got like in the groups, like we've got some like big boys. Right. And a lot of the product that's around, like it just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. I love that we're actually going to be able to like offer that, even though we might sell four, it's been really cool, but that's a total pre-order thing going to because it might be four, it might be 10 curve. Yeah. Up and down. What's really cool. This is, um, working with Josh has been so much fun. So he's like, yeah, he's like, we can, we're going to do different sizes, but in he's, he is, (laughs) I say he's like detail oriented, but like it's this, it's same with us, right. In a different product line. And so he's like, yeah, I can scale these rings up and down, but he actually made a cutoff point for essentially three, three, uh, size ranges and redesigned the ring Mm. so that they would, that the ring would actually work really well between like this, like, you know, size five and size like, you know, eight. And then it was like eight to 12. So they're all have minor tweaks. I thought that was, I never would have thought about it. I was just like, oh, you just scale it. That's clever. Um, but yeah, so that's like a great case study for like, okay, pre-order as it relates to having a product where you have no idea of what the actual demand for a given size is. I guess that's true. If you, if you are in like true exploratory mode, like you're selling rings all of a sudden, right. 
that's and it's new. yeah, that's new yeah. for us. Yeah, right. I, I I think there's merit to that. I think as an exploratory tool, but for me with the confidant, I I don't. I'm not saying it was a mistake because it's it's gone totally. well, but I think that my next go around, people are going to get an email and an Instagram post is going to go up, and I'm gonna all the fixtures are going to be built, and I'm gonna have knives like ready to ship soon. You know, like soon, soon. That, you're at a point. So I was going to say like, where is the risk in that? But we know where the risk is, yeah. right? The way that you're doing a pre-order would work very, very well for someone who is exploring their ability to sell. Mm-hmm. You now have a baseline of what you are actually able to sell. So you can take that calculated mm-hmm. risk and say, well, why am I going to do it? Like we, are, it's funny. So uh, without like, telling what the products are. We had two products that we were going to do as pre-orders coming up. And we just realized like, there's no reason to do a pre-order. Like we can just do the drop. Mm -hmm. Like I'm confident enough in just building it and dropping them that actually doing a pre-order just complicates the the situation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially if you're, if you're doing limited pre-orders, this is a really, this is like, a really weird area of it. Maddie's always wanted to do an open side pop pre-order. Mm-hmm. I've never gone past 200 pieces. It's just uh, like a habit thing kind of. And I, a true pre-order could be really interesting because yeah. you would actually, you would just give everyone who wanted a chance at it. The like you can actually get yeah, it. For sure. Right. That'd be, that'd so. be interesting. Might be might be scary though. Yeah, I would. I think that would be scary. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think the numbers would go crazy. If I had like a gut, I think it would be. I think it would be above five hundred, under a thousand. That's like my gut response. Although, like from searches, like when we look sometimes at numbers on the website, it I, it could be like completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, it's, it's hard it's to interesting. say. Yeah. But like, so did you, with your pre-order, did you have a capped amount of knives? Not really. Like okay. I had in mind some, like I, I got, I have a lot of confidence in the pipeline. So I had yeah. like a lot of room to go, but I, I launched the pre-order not expecting to sell out and I didn't sell out. That was, okay. but I needed, I wanted this pipeline to be deep and long. Like yeah. I bought, like there's, all of the confidants for this entire year are in the pipeline right now for me. And oh, so wow. if I sold them all in the pre-order, I would actually be bummed because it's like right. my my build schedule and my like planned year involves the amount of knives that I have available. So it's like right. if I had to go 11 months without having any knives, that would be a bummer. Yeah, that would be rough. Almost So all of the knives for this entire year of production are in the pipeline except for the Nova one. That's the only one that hasn't wow. started yet. So that's, that's how I wanted to start the year was like, I like in order to have an employee, I wanted to feel like there is no amount of work that they can do that. They're going to work themselves out of a job. Like it's there. Totally. I wanted it to just be like a rope that never ends, you know, keep pulling. Oh so man. That, that is cool. So it's, I, I I've been happy with that decision. Um, it's been, it feels good. I feel secure because like right now I can do probably several months worth of work without bringing any more material in, without like going any other directions. Like, and and that, that's, that's just secure feeling. I don't know. Do you think of, do you think of like dollar cost averaging materials? Uh, I know dollar cost averaging from a stock standpoint, but like explain. So dollar cost averaging is you're always putting a small amount of money into materials materials. or like if if you're doing it with stocks or some type of investment, you're just saying like, okay, instead of trying to like wait until there's a low and then buy, you know, $500, I'm just going to put a hundred dollars every weekend or every month for the entire year. It's kind of like a SVB collapses with their bank and everyone's buying precious metals and we're over here buying MagnaCut, which is right. As close as, as leg- close as we can get to a precious metal, I guess. <laughs> legit though. Yeah. I mean, when you look yeah. at materials, so, okay. If you say you forecast or you look at what material, what the material market is. So like we see, okay, there's, you know, vintage Macarta, 
you know, some type of like Westinghouse Micarta or something, you know, and five years ago, you're like, all right, well, I like the price is kind of going up on this. I know I'm going to use it. I'm going to make sure that I buy like a piece at every show. Yeah. It's like a really yeah. basic version of yeah. this. You would actually be in a really good position now. And so like steel prices at this point, like hardly anything ever goes down. Mm-hmm. So you don't want too much of anything, but at the same time, like I feel like not letting your stocks go to zero before you then fully restock yeah. anything. Yeah. So I do this with um, screws from uh, tie connector screws and pivots. I never let my stock go to zero yeah. before I order one. They're expensive Two, He's a human with employees and machines. And like, time. just because I need a part doesn't mean that part is there. Yeah. So I'm much, but it's like a tactical reload mm-hmm. for, for supplies. Well, it's Kanban is what it is. Yeah. Kanban, yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead and use that fancy word. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So you, but I mean, you, you basically are then. Well, I ordered all that material because I was, I wanted to kind of, you know, prime the pump on multiple models at once. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to become more staggered because I was priming the pump on like four models at once or three models at once. And they're not all going to run out at the same time in theory. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to have, I'm going to be restocking and trying to keep material like three to six months out ahead of me at all okay. times. That's, um, that's like, I was going to ask like yeah. with Kanban, I would imagine it varies by industry, but is there like within the system, is there some type of general rule as to what your like reorder point is? Uh, that's a good question. I think that's totally, it just it's like, it depends on what it is. And it depends on what kind of company I think totally. there's probably some algorithms and some like advice you could read into on that. But for me, I just started with, I, I basically said, I want enough of it. I don't Kanban my steel right now because it's not really that necessary, but like I Kanban everybody, everything else and everything else. I was just like, I'm just going to have enough for a hundred knives in, Perfect. in the backup and a hundred knives that I'm eating through. So at any given time I have between, a hundred and 200 knives worth of inventory on like screws, clips, Kydex, all these things. And then when I get down to a hundred reorder, so it's like, that's the minimum essentially. Um, and it, there's a couple things I think I'm going to have to up that like scale up, but I, I think you just have to start somewhere and figure out which things need to be more than that and which things need to be less. And that, that is just like how fast are the delivery on these items? Because right, like my, my barrels and how high is the risk? And is there like, is there a, you really don't want to get too addicted to like going up in quantity to save money per part because it's easy right. to be like, I'll buy 10,000 of these screws. The whole <laughs> idea of lean manufacturing is to avoid that addiction of like stockpiling and right. to actually pay more money at lower quantities. Um, yeah. But sometimes if it's a steep drop, like you might want to hit a certain order quantity minimum. Um, but it, I think it's just play it by ear. But for me, a hundred knives and in inventory, all the stuff that I'm using that I'm conboning is like, I can literally just order. It's not custom stuff. Right. Um, so it's, it's worked for, for now, but, um, like black Kydex, I had to bump up my volume on, um, because I, I changed my website around to where black is the default and okay. to get away from that, you kind of have to opt out. Yep. Um, and so black has suddenly, a lot of people, they just want a sheath. And so yep. like, yeah, I'll just take the black. And so I end up with way more black. And so it has become, it wasn't enough, like the, the ratios that I had compared to the other colors. So I just doubled the, the Kanban inventory on that. Do you, what options do you charge for? Uh, right now, nothing. It's all the same. Interesting. Yeah. I was charging more <clears throat> for Cerakote. And mm-hmm. then I realized just this week with my employee in the shop and just kind of investigating some of this further, Cerakote's less labor than Stonewash. So, Mm -hmm. and now that he's working in my shop, like I would rather give him the knife to go Cerakote than him have to stone it, blast it, tumble it. It's Mm -hmm. actually easier for him. So it was like having him in the shop was the light bulb moment of like, I shouldn't be disincentivizing Cerakote because it's actually less labor. Um, totally. So makes perfect sense. Yeah. So it's all the same. Nice. Pretty cool. So makes it kind of easy. I mean, it's like super easy. Your whole system, your whole system is pretty seamless at this point. Like from, from like production to like 
you know, user interface is all pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it so far. Last year, there were some rocky parts of like, it's a, it's a weird thing, but trying to get the the wording on the website, oh, particularly yeah. around the sheath ordering mm-hmm. to make the most succinct, perfect sense where people weren't uh, like misunderstanding it or something. And that's actually why I ended up going with the standard sheath option mm-hmm. is because it, I want it to be like, if you didn't read anything on the page and you just clicked buy and you just said, just clicked on colors and finishes and you didn't read any of the text and you just click buy, you would get a good sheath because totally. because what I had before was there was no standard sheath. You had to like add it to the car oh. with the knife. Yeah. And it, there was a lot of people that just wouldn't order a sheath. And I was you like, you have to reach back. And I was out like, I don't them. know if they did that on purpose, you know? And so yeah, that was, that's like, a, that's a very good solve. That was a problem. Right. Um, because the, the big problem is I have too many options for my website to support all of the, the knife options and all of the sheath options. Mm-hmm. It's like, it can't be held on a single product page. And so I needed to have two product pages. So this is like the solution to that is you get a right-handed black on black sheath. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then you can get, well, that's like, that's just, that's such a basic, it makes sense. Like once you actually think about it, but when you're first setting it up, you just think like, Oh, like, yeah, if you're ordering a knife, like clearly you're going to click on this field mm-hmm. that is, you know, relating to a sheath. We've, we've found over the years, like we have to actually kind of design things with the assumption that people are not going to read the text. Well, and part of it is international customers do that. I mean, there are people yeah. that they just don't, maybe they don't even speak English. So are you, what are you doing a lot of international yeah. sales? Yeah. Large, you know why? Lar- One of the reasons why? Because you're offering it, it's which true. is awesome. It's true. A lot of brands just aren't doing yeah. it. I've had good luck. I mean, yeah, I've had really we good We do luck. too. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's like a little bit of a complication. Sometimes like we've had, we have things returned every once in a while, but I feel like from a community standpoint, like the support is there. Mm-hmm. I want them to be able to get, our product probably 20 percent of my orders are over the pond not dude and not, that is a huge not canada like that is a huge yeah, number it is is there any one country that like sticks France. out really so a guy a youtuber who is a french it's a french speaking youtuber um and so i've watched the video but i just had to subtitle it but he reviewed the overland and i don't know if it's all that video but it seems like there's been kind of a circle of people buying the overland in france Oh, and so that. it's like France is probably five X the, the the next country on the list. It's like, I've, I've just been shipping to France. Like There's crazy. a great conversation there around like it, you know, as far as like advertising, I suppose. And like, we just kind of, everybody kind of stays in the same streams for mm-hmm. the most part. And you're like, well, if you're gonna have a knife reviewer, like, sure. Like, have a knife reviewer in France. Like yeah. that's going to open up something different. Yeah. France has a cool knife culture too. It's a like, I don't know if you've ever like seen any of the magazines from over mm-hmm. there. Um, there's like this combination of like really technical stuff and then like super like kind of like rustic. Like, um, do you know who Fred Perrin is? I don't. He, so I can see like before your time, but he's, he's kind of like like crafty tactical. It's like, very handmade looking stuff, but like he's designed for spider co like he's been around forever, like kind of, um, self defense oriented, but like very handmade looking. Mm, And I've always wondered if he had like a large effect on like the French knife market, or Mm. if that is just kind of the style, but lots of like rustic knives. It's just cool. I don't know. Just, just a cool thing to see. I, I will say I love all my customers and shipping knives to everybody. But the feeling of sending something to like Europe or something or overseas, there's something special about it. And I I can't put my finger on it, but it's like somebody cares enough to want my knife and they're way over there. And like, I I don't know, it it feels good. It feels I really and and like you said, not offering it. There's some websites that I would go to pretty great lengths to make sure I offer it because it feels good. Like it's a cool thing. So that's how we feel, too. Um and I completely understand that, that feeling around shipping something. Well, I think, and I think it's actually easily quantifiable. I remember the first knife I ever sold overseas was 
it was f- to another knife maker who was on one of the forums. It must've been like knife network and his name, I think it was a screen name, but his name was Jason Cutter and he was in Australia. And I just remember like I packed this knife up and I sent it over and I was like, Holy cow. There's like a piece of me that will exist in a place that I've never been. And like, doesn't have like an expiration date. Like yeah. this thing could just last. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's cool. that's like, in in history, that that's like a pretty rare thing. Like, sure, like things could be like you know things make their way around like the world, but not at the same yeah. like speed. Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. nerdy, but it's, I think it's cool. Yeah, it is. It is. And virality is just weird too, because like some of the a lot of the marketing that I've been doing is is like you could call viral marketing, uh, yeah. you know, the YouTube and Instagram type marketing. And so it's weird how it'll like catch fire going a certain direction, and you'll just see orders coming in from like a certain country or a certain yeah. region or a certain, it's, oh, I love that. it's so weird. Cause like, for example, on Instagram, you know how sometimes Instagram, it'll just all of a sudden you'll just get tons of likes and followers for like a couple of weeks and you don't really, there's no reason. It's like yeah. the algorithm just kind of like gave you a cookie. Give me a bump. So you up. That happened in like January of this year to my account for unknown to me reasons. And I was looking at the list of over the last 90 days, like people who have followed me and what countries they're from. You know what the number two country that followed me was during that like mm. weird Instagram boost? Iran. No idea. Really? It's the number two country behind the United States. What? And I'm like, so Instagram, the algorithm favored sending my content to Iranian people on Instagram. That is so interesting. And, yeah. And I'm like, why? Like, so what do understand. you think? Like at some, okay. So there's something that got started to get like traction. Mm-hmm. And then that trickle down effect at some point you get like roped into that. I don't know. That algorithm, dude, is I mean, there's a reason it's kind of a hot topic these days. She is a fickle mistress. It is, yeah. It is a confusing <laughs> and strange beast. So I, I don't know why that would be, but thanks. Everybody, if there's anyone listening to this from Iran, like if you follow me on Instagram in the last three months, I guess it, I guess uh we were we were destined to meet. I love it, man. Um, what else, man? That feels like that feels like a pretty good like uh, tangential episode. That kind of yeah, good. yeah. Um, we always have a hard time naming these episodes because we don't <laughs> usually have a name before we start. And I, I usually like at least once or twice during the episode, I'm like, yeah, this is th- what we're talking about right now makes for a good name and like a good soundbite. This one, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> here's one one more question. Um, anything right now that you're super excited about super excited about yeah just in general uh we got chickens that's pretty fun dude that is exciting yeah i'm less excited about it than my wife (laughs) but like the fact that the kids are so into it makes me excited about it it was like once i saw the kids playing with them i was like yeah this is cool this is good that is cool did i tell you we got a cat you did did i tell you that we got a second cat because the first cat bailed on us no. <laughs> and went home. And then I walked down the street looking for her and I ran into these people like outside on a porch smoking who were like, why are you looking for our cat? Really crazy. She lived with us for a month. She was chipped. We went, we took her to animal humane, animal humane reaches out to the owners. We never hear anything. We're like, cool. I guess she's our cat. One day door opens. She takes off. Maddie and the kids are losing it. I go look for her and she lives one street over hmm. and just like went home. Hmm. Crazy. Cats are, so, cats, cats are amazing are with their homing abilities. Dude. It's, freaky. it's, it was, it was wild. And so like, you just realize like, I guess she was just cool. She was going outside every day. Hmm. Right. So what is cool though, is that I'm kind of allergic to cats. I don't know if this is actually cool, but we got a Bengal, hmm. which is Awesome. Nice. They look like tiny little jaguars and have spots. I want to see a picture of it. Dude, it's she's rad. Yeah. Totally different personality. I'm not really a cat guy, but yeah. I did a tell you about the cat we just got. No. This is another tangent. Oh, We're on tangent tangent uh explosion. <laughs> so you said bangle. Uh so like four months ago, my wife's always talked about getting a cat. I've always been kind of iffy on it. And Me too. Pretty, I don't know. I'm just not that into them. But uh, the Pound, local little Humane Society type deal here in town, somehow reached out, I think, to my mother-in-law. And then like 
it came through the grapevine that there was a breeder of this this breed of cat called Egyptian Mao that like oh, yeah. got I think there was an elderly person that was breeding him and got in over his head and just took like a dozen of them at once to the pound. And they're really rare and they're like a thousand dollar cat type thing. And they were like actually paperworked cats and he just gave them all because he was just in beyond his wits, I guess. And they, they were like trying to had a hard time giving that many cats away. So we went and we got one. And the one we got is one of the studs that was like one of the high value (laughs) ones. And he was born in Russia and the, the breeder had bought him from a Russian breeder, and we have his passport that had that got him from Russia Dude, to the United amazing. States last year. So what I'm hearing is there's going to be a drop down for a Schwartz Mal <laughs> order, <laughs> but he has soon. he has spots like what you were saying. So I want to see a picture of your cat. Dude, it's pretty cool. Back to like on the cat thing. I've always had dogs. I've been a dog person my whole life. What? I realize right now is that a cat is actually like a perfect fit. They're so independent and like they, you know, they take care of themselves. Yeah. They're like small. You don't like have to walk them and like we're busy. So this satisfied like a bunch of things all at once, um, which was kids getting a pet, Maddie getting a pet without it really like fully tying us into like, you know, having like a dog and I've always like, I love to train dogs, but I've always realized it's like so active. This is a good, good next week. We're going to talk about the ponies that we got for our kids. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. Let's call it before we go too far down the, down the slope. Yeah. Yeah. Spin it out. All right. Appreciate you you all listening. Thank you. Thanks guys. Leave us a review, uh, email us questions, comments. Let us know what kind of cat you got. Yeah. Love to hear it. Later. Peace.